Hey, it's Pretty Little Grown Man. Hey, hey Dave. Hey, Dom. Uh, we're recording live in your your kitchen fam- slash family room and also live on Facebook. Yeah, we're trying out Facebook Live today. We have, it looks like three, two people, three two people. people watching. Okay, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but as always, uh, oh, listeners at home, you are our one true love and our... Uh, Azor, what's the, what's the name of that? I was gonna say Relor, Azor, Azora High. Yeah. So we're gonna be talking about Game of Thrones. Uh, we're about five episodes into season six, uh, and due to the fact that Game of Thrones is what it is, we're probably gonna forget a lot of shit. So, um, sorry, uh, tweet at us or something. Okay. So, I yeah, I do want to say I have not read the books. You have read them, right? You read everything. I have read everything but the last half of the fifth book. So okay. I've okay. Read most of them. So you're going to be our our Game of Thrones scholar tonight, and I'm the person watching it as an actual TV viewer. Okay. Um, and I've read some of the articles, some of the like uh, fan theory stuff that's going around. Um, I will. I'm sure have my own ideas, which are probably things that other people have thought of. But as with Lost. Uh, it's way more interesting to me to kind of not really know what 10,000 other people are thinking and just try to yeah. have ideas about it. Well, so uh, the big theory that is obviously coming to fruition is the fact that Jon Snow is actually the son of Lyanna Stark and mm-hmm. uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. Right. Um, that's obviously where it's all going. And so basically what happened was Ned Stark went to the... the fucking tower i don't know uh what the tower the of tower Hope? of joy tower of joy yeah i think you're yeah right. um and uh found liana stark um basically dying and she had Jon snow in her arms and because Rhaegar targaryen was uh betrothed to i can't remember who but no no was, no the um she was betrothed to robert oh, what's his name baratheon baratheon who starts the war over her basically right right you get you got it yeah, we'll we'll figure this out together. Yeah. Um and uh but uh she was in love with Rhaegar Targaryen and um so they made a baby together which happened to be Jon Snow. So which is the theory? The show was very careful to not show us what goes on inside the Tower of Joy. It shows us uh, Every, uh everything's everything's lining up for this to happen though. I agree, yeah. but I do want to. I do. I do want to say that the show has not actually shown us that scene yet. So it remains like a question of what the parent, you know, of if, if it's going to be Jon Snow's. Parents. So this is what I want to talk about: is that I think that that'll be the case because everything in the season so far is just lining up and falling pretty neatly into place, uh, and that is my um, that's my biggest probably. My, my biggest problem with this season is mm-hmm. that um, it doesn't feel messy. Things are just th- like the characters are being uh, reduced to sort of one note. I mean, you have all these seasons building up and developing these characters, except for maybe arguably Hodor, uh, building them up to a point at which they're sort of running on um, – almost just like running on autopilot right now Mm -hmm. Uh, where, you know, it's like, I I mean, pick any character. That's a big character this season. Uh, Ramsey Bolton. Like, of course he's going to be a deplorable piece of shit. Like there's no question that he's going to do all the terrible things that you think he's going to do. Right. Um, 
uh, I don't know, uh, like Jon Snow coming back to life. I, I, I guess I feel like all of these big surprises or all of these big explanations, I feel... I see them so telegraphed, right? And like, I think that the way that Jon Snow, the episode where Jon Snow comes back to life, um, felt so pointless. Where it's just like, you know, all that stuff is like there. Uh, uh, Melisandre is 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 doing her incantations over his 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 dead body. Everyone's sitting there with bated breath. Nothing happens. Everyone slowly leaves the room, and then they just hold on his body from a few different angles and then he wakes up it's like what the fuck was the point of that i don't i don't understand wh- what where the tension was supposed to come from to just sort of get paid off in the most blatant way possible right yeah it was it was not well done um and i think this season has been i mean i you could tell that john is going to come back from the first episode where his body is just sitting there and they're like, well, ordinarily <laughs> yeah, that was fucking stupid, Matt. Or, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> somebody, we're gonna, somebody, sorry. Somebody commented on, on our Facebook feed here. Yeah. Uh, you know, as soon as you see his body out there and they're like, well, usually we would burn this body because of white walkers, but mm-hmm. we're just going to put it on this table for a while and chill and not really worry about it. And then you get into a second episode and you still have this dead person lying there. <laughs> and it's like, okay, obviously like this guy is going to come back to life in some uh-huh. way. Otherwise they wouldn't leave him out on a table for two episodes. Right, like, right. so to me there was like no, uh, oh. no shock. There was no shock value in that at all. Yeah. And I agree that the way it was shot was not really interesting or ambiguous or anything. What I was hoping they would do um, was leave close. him dead. Well, no, I I'm excited that he comes back. I know to we all love Jon Snow and gets to be super emo. But I, <laughs> in, I what I was ho- thinking was that they're going to take his dire wolf and have like, you know, something happens and then the wolf is like it keys in on 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 the wolf and he's like ruff, 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 you know, <laughs> or or he goes over and starts licking John's hand or you know something yeah. like that like actually showing john come back to life and be like (gasps) you know it was like oh yeah okay Mm -hmm. that yeah there's no level of like artistry to to what they did no and that's well that's how i see a lot of this season playing out is um so what are some other uh other supposedly dramatically satisfying and or shocking moments um I mean, the only thing that really affected me on a pretty visceral level was when uh, John put to death um, Ollie and uh, that other fucking guy. The traitorous Night's Watch yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was intense. Yeah, that was it was intense, but, you know, it's like... Uh, yeah, it was intense, and then it was, and then it was followed up by, like, emo bullshit, where he's just like, I don't want to be the Lord Commander anymore. I'm going to walk out. And this is... See, this is another... This is, this is why I think this show is, like losing its dramatic hold is so he 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 the the episode ends with him leaving the the courtyard area handing over his uh his all of his stuff his vestments yeah to his finery to his his good buddy and then uh and then be like my watch is over and leaving and then in the next fucking episode he's still there just hanging out uh and and Sansa shows up and is like oh no you know we actually have to like we have to save our home and he's like all right i guess i'm kind of in the night's watch again yeah it's like it's like where i almost i i didn't want this to happen but i almost wish that it would have which is that he would have like gone off by alone by himself which he does in the books okay um and just like figured his shit out 
which which he does in the books. Uh, does he get resurrected in the books? Does uh, he die? They haven't made it that far yet. Okay. I think I think he dies at the end of the fifth book, which I haven't gotten to. Okay. Um, does anyone know? Uh, we'll we'll see on <laughs> Facebook. Um, uh, so it's just kind of like. I, I just don't feel I don't feel the the shock or the surprise. Um it all feel it 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 doesn't feel dramatically earned to me mm. anymore. And I think that that came to a head uh with uh Hodor's demise to the where I didn't I was affected by him dying. Like it was a sad thing to happen, but I felt like the I feel like the thematic concepts that they were going for were interesting, but the the actual execution I thought was so stupid. Um, I just I didn't none none of it really felt. It felt just it felt goofy. It felt like I don't I don't know. I yeah I do think there is a a little bit more of a sense of silliness to this season, which I appreciate because I look for that in all <laughs> things. Um, I thought the Hodor death was really the most profound death on the show. And I want to talk about it because I, I, it really did hit me. Uh, and Wait, can I, before you do that, yes. Um, I think that the, my opinion could best be my opinion about the season in general can best be explained by something that occurred in the last episode where, uh, um, I forget everyone's names, but, uh, Daenerys is saved or Daenerys, uh, is, uh, finds once again, um, uh, with Dario Naharis, uh huh, and uh, what's his, his the guy who has grayscale, Future Stone Man, yeah, Future Stone Man, <laughs> yeah, uh, that Jora, Jora, Jora Mormont, yeah, okay, so uh, so Jora Mormont is like, um, listen, Daenerys, if it wasn't fucking obvious before, I love you, and she like starts getting all all uh all weepy about it, and then he's like, oh, also, uh, I have this like crazy fucking thing on my arm so i'm gonna be dying anyway so i'm just gonna peace out like i did i did this thing i saved you that's what i wanted to do seems like you're good here basically have having this dothraki army behind you so i'm gonna peace out and she's like no i order you to cure yourself then come back to me i'm like fuck that oh i love it was so fucking stupid and cheesy oh i loved it it was was so it was so ham-fisted and so poorly written there was like no it was i saw it coming from a fucking mile away and you have this girl this sorry this woman who uh just walked out of a fucking blazing house and had everyone bow before her and then she's like reduced to sort of this like the most stereotypical like queen matriarch idea where she's just like, I command you to, to, to like, she's, she's like suddenly like, like the emotional center. I, it just, it felt so sloppily put together to, um, I don't know, to give some sort of, um, I don't know. I don't know. What, what did you like about that scene? Okay. So, one thing that I think has happened to a lot of these characters, and I think it's what this season has been all about, and the end of and last season too, um, is that a lot of them have now kind of had their motivations reset. They have had some kind of horrible thing, horrible humiliation happen to them. They have tried to do this thing and failed, and 
now they're kind of starting from scratch again with that knowledge and with that experience. And you see it with Arya, where she mm-hmm. is on this quest to kill everybody, and she joins up with the Faceless Men, and then she goes off and she does kill somebody on her list, yeah. and then gets punished. She gets blinded, and she gets reduced to nothing. Uh, you see it with John, where he is doing the right thing. He's leading the Night's Watch. You know, he's trying to be a diplomat and make the make the wisest decisions. Mm-hmm. And he literally gets killed. You know, so when he wakes up, he's like, of course, he's like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't be the leader of these people. They already betrayed me. So, you know, a lot of these characters have reached this point of like ultimate humiliation. And Danny has too. She took over the city, you know, conquering for her is easy, but we saw in the last season that ruling is hard. And so there's a, there's a uprising against her. People try to kill her with a spear. It's only by having uh, Jorah and dragons show up that she escapes at all. And then she's reduced once again, she's kind of dropped back into her past and reduced to being this, you know, uh, Khaleesi, this this uh, this widow, essentially, who has to go live in a box with the other widows. Um, so everyone gets kind of pushed back to ground zero and has to decide where they want to go from there. For Danny, it's, well, I'll just conquer some more people because I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do hope that having had the experience of rulership, um, you know, and realizing how hard it is to make these decisions... That's kind of what I saw in her interaction with Jorah, where she recognizes that she made a decision. She had to stick with her royal word in banishing this guy who had betrayed her. Um, but she you know, understands that his loyalty and his, his value to her is more than that. See, that's, I, I think that I agree with that. I like, I like the ideas conceptually, but the execution, I think, is just really kind of flimsy because we haven't seen her be that and i also think like she's entitled to be that emotional because she you know literally just got captured and took to a took to this um this khaleesi temple and you know she's been through all this stuff that she was not expecting she was expecting to like be ruling the city of whatever granted yeah true i guess you know maybe it's not even the fact that she reacted emotionally uh it just felt melodramatic in a way that the show I mean, I, it's weird saying this, but I don't feel like the show is usually that melodramatic. No, I agree. I think it absolutely is a sign of the sh- the show uh, softening in a little bit. Yeah, and it's the same thing like with the whole idea. And I prefer it. You know, okay. I prefer it that way to the just wanton, you know, horrible, uh, you know. The, what's happening this season is that it's falling more into conventional narrative as opposed to the like breaking the conventions of fantasy writing and killing everyone and having it just be like medieval and awful. Is that what we want out of Game of Thrones? A show that for so long, or a series for so long, that has at every turn bucked the expectations of its genre tropes to suddenly just embrace them? It feels like it's sort of lying down and just saying like, here, we're giving you what you want. Uh, but the thing is, I, I don't I think it is. It's giving me what I want <laughs> and I love it. I love it. But here's, I mean, here's the other thing. When you think about, I totally appreciate your, your critiques, by the way. I think they are super fair. Oh, I got um, rips more on Hodor. Just wait. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but I do think another element of this is that the show at some point has to wrap up. It somehow, it somehow has to get into an end game, you know, and over the last few years, 
we've sort of seen all these moments of like new king, new ruler, new something, attack on this, attack on that, somebody gets killed, the whole thing kind of reshuffles, and it's just been an endless middle, an endless slog through the middle of just all these character deaths and reshuffling and people going from coast to coast, you know? Yeah. And so for things to be sort of coming into focus and an actual uh, narrative end game, and obviously like in real life, there is no end game because there's always the next, there's always something else. But in terms of these characters, the show has killed off so many of the characters that we started with. So I think it does have to bring into focus you know, John and Danny and this idea of prophecy and someone ascending to this thing and winter finally coming and all this stuff that sort of was teased in the first season, all that stuff has to come to fruition in some way. And unfortunately, if the show just continued with its arbitrary violence and arbitrary King murdering that was happening for the last few seasons, which has continued this season, just not with characters we care about. (laughs) uh, That doesn't really get us into an actual, there's no story. Then it's just like sort of a historical documentary in a way of just like people killing people, killing people, killing people, you know? And it does sort of eventually have to focus in on what are the key events of this story? What's the actual like story of this, you know? Uh, And in doing so, it does sacrifice I think some of the sensibility of the show, which has not been actual story, but just like a chain of events. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I want Ken Burns, Game of Thrones. Well, I think that's what we've been getting. <laughs> that's like, but I'm, I'm more that, down for that. But just hasn't like, that blood. been frustrated? Like, how frustrated were we at the end of last season where everything was so open-ended, all these bad things were happening to characters we liked, it just felt so, like, grisly for its own sake? Well, that's why I think that, like, the course correction is almost too far the other way. So, the end of last season, you know, was probably the show at its nadir as far as, like... Uh, the whole walk of shame thing. Sure. Like it was just sort of the show just like scraping the bottom of the barrel as hard as it possibly fucking could. Um, And so I just feel like now it's trying to go the other way. And so it's trying to be like, listen, we do have a heart. There are, there are good, there's, there is good in this world. Right. Um, You know, which, okay. Like you, you have to like care about characters. Or or at least there's, or at least there's triumph. There can be like, you know, the reunion of, of John and Sansa, mm-hmm. you know, right. even though they probably disagree. Yeah. And it brings John back away from wanting to just run off into the woods into like, OK, you have to lead an army. You have to get back to work. Right. You right, know, right, right. but it is like, OK, that's a good thing that happened. OK. You know, Cersei and uh, King, the new king are like having healthy parent interactions. You know, like mm-hmm. there is some level of. uh I don't know. I think things reached such a bottom in the last season uh, and with the sand snakes too, you know, I mean, everything reached such, everything basically hit as low as it could go. And so this season is about what happens after, how do these people rebuild? Um, But I do agree. It does feel like a course correction. It does feel like a little bit of a different tone for the show. I think the uh, female characters are getting a lot more room for heroism and uh, catharsis, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is a necessary correction after the level of like abuse they suffered in the last season of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, that the ho the, I think that the, the whole death of Hodor, um, really sort of exemplified for me 
what 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 didn't feel good about this season. It's almost like I watched the first couple episodes just like waiting for something to happen. Um without really just admitting that things were happening. I just didn't really care that much about what was happening. And so I felt like Hodor was kind of like this thing that I should really, really care about. Um, and I'm, I'm a total sucker for like ideas of like time feedback loops and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, but I, it just felt so, mm, so hacky. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I could. I wish I had like a really good. Um, uh, fi- I could put like a fine point on exactly what caught me off about it. I, I think your your feelings are are totally valid. Well, let me tell you what I Thanks, thought Dave. was. <laughs> I'm here to validate you. Uh, no, let me tell you what I think was was really great and moving about the Hodor thing, and let me tell you what I think is bad about it, and what it sets up for the rest of the All show. Right. And again, like. I am not well versed in all the prophecies or whatever, but I do think this show has an internal logic that the Hodor death kind of puts into focus. Okay. Um, then I want to talk about uh, free will. And, yes, uh, yes, versus, yes. <laughs> versus predestination. No, no, that's like that's what that's the bad part of this because right. it sort of sets that in stone okay. in a way. Um, so what was really interesting, what was moving to me about Hodor is. You have this character who's been with this boy his whole life, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, has been the servant character. He only says one word. You know, he's essentially like a special needs person. Uh, we don't really know why. And then in this season, we get this flashback when Bran is out green seeing or whatever, and he goes into the past and he sees Hodor as a child. And Willis. Yeah, exactly. And what's really interesting about that scene is that we see him being directed by one person to like pick up arms and practice in this, in this battle uh, in this like swords training that these little Lords are running around doing. Mm -hmm. And then we see his mom come in and says, no, you're not going to do that. Your place is not with them. So nowhere in that scene, does he get to make a decision? Does he get any agency? He's just a little peasant boy. Yeah. So in this episode, and I want to point out that this latest episode was directed by, lost director. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, and somebody brought that up to me and it makes a lot of sense because it feels very losty to me. <laughs> um, the way they did the flashbacks and connecting to the present. In this episode, we see him, we see, uh, so Bran fucks up really big. Bran sees everybody asleep. He touches the crazy tree and is out looking for the White Walkers. Yep. And he finds their army and the king of the whatever, the, the what, knight, the knight, the knight's, Night something King. yes uh the zombie the <laughs> nice zombie guy king of the zombies uh you know we've just seen his origin story mm-hmm. and the creatures of the forest the children or whatever created him as a weapon against humans which did not work out so great for them clearly yeah but he bran runs into him he touches bran we see the fact that they can interact through this astral plane vision seeing whatever and, of course, that alerts him to the location and means he can now get into this tree sanctuary. Right. So this is this whole episode is Bran hitting rock bottom. I mean, even though, you know, because he doesn't really learn humility from his from his uh, losing his uh, 
from being crippled, right. you know, he sort of is still this like fussy little lord. And in this episode, we see the hubris of him looking looking for the guy by himself and not waiting and not having the patience. You know, it's like flying too close to the sun or whatever. Right, he, right, right. He's fallen victim to his hubris. So that brings the the army, and this is ridiculous because the army, you know, was supposed to be like down invading the seven kingdoms and yet they get pretty far north and like about, you know, we don't have any sense of the passage of time right. up there, but you know, it seems like a day or two, you know, yeah. it's like, ah, we need to prepare you cause they're going to be here. And then like, yeah, Oh, they just, they just got here. Well, as we learned from the battle at hard home, it's they're, they're pretty fucking fast. They can turn into like smoke or whatever. Oh, okay. Right. Well, I mean, they can't, they don't have to sleep, you know, I can, they can just yeah, ride they don't forever have to, stop to pee. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons they can move quickly. That's totally fine. But that happened like extremely quickly to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> when we get to Hodor and uh, there's this big battle scene, very Ray Harryhausen zombies, skeletons scrambling all over, really mm-hmm. satisfying. Everyone's running out, and uh, somebody yells at Bran, "You know, you need to war. You need to get Hodor moving." Because Hodor's like, "Oh, I'm so scared." Well, he doesn't say that. He says, "Hodor, Hodor," <laughs> uh, but he's you know he's scared. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have this fight. And Bran, while in this vision scene, watching, going back to the Hodor origin, Mm -hmm. uh, to that same day, uh, he wargs into Hodor because we see his eyes turn. Right. Hodor helps pick him up, and they're running through the the mystery tree. And Bran is still in this scene. And so everyone gets out. They close this door behind them, and... um, the girl whose name I've forgotten is yelling, hold the door, hold the door. And they say it over and over and over. And it creates this, the, here's the way I read it, where Bran is still in Hodor, controlling him, holding the door. He's also simultaneously in the past in this vision sequence, right. which is a crazy thing because we haven't seen him do both before. Mm-hmm. But we never really, see, we never see him hop out of Hodor's head. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be assumed that he's still there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you have a guy being mind controlled to essentially give himself up in this suicide mission. Yeah. As he's doing that, it fries his brain in the past because Bran has created this connection between the past and the present. And the, whatever it is, it, it allows this chain, which basically turns him into a zombie mm-hmm. or fries his brain in the past from that moment. So the implication, there's a couple things. One is that everything that's happened has already happened. There can be no alternate realities or reboots or meaningful time travel. All the time travel that's happened has already happened. Time is a flat circle. Time is, well, there's one fixed timeline and anything you do has already, anything that happened in the past is, you know, via time travel has already happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that means a lot, certain events are fixed. I don't think it means everything is fixed, but yeah, 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 exactly. So we're on a single timeline, um, which is narratively a lot simpler, which Mm -hmm. I think is good. Um, but what was really tragic about this was like Hodor never got to make a decision. He never had a chance. I mean, I think you could say he had real affection for Bran, uh, you know, that he was, he's portrayed in this sweet, uh, familial way, but you know, he's essentially forced to die. (laughs) And here, so here's this guy who never gets to make a decision in his whole life. And unlike everyone else who gets killed in this show where it's, rulers it's ambitious people it's people who sort of 
you know, are betrayed or they're putting themselves up to this or they're these like loyal people who swear their sword to some, some king or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. In this case, it's just a, it's just a casual victim. Yeah. It's just an, he, he's the most innocent person on the show. And he's just sacrificed so that they can run off into the snow. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the other thing is that, all right, you held the door for a couple of minutes mm -hmm. and then the zombie army is going to come out and catch you about two minutes later because they're zombies. Uh, right. That's the thing is like, I, yeah, which, which is Whatever. not really, you know, it, it feels like sort of a, a Pyrrhic victory in that yeah. way. Um, so you have to, tr you have to kind of not think about that scene too hard, but I found it very profound because it is this completely innocent guy who's essentially doomed to his death because he just was the guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I really like the idea of it. Um, I guess I wasn't into the whole, uh, like, <laughs> like the Ray Harryhausen kind of idea as you were, like, I felt like a lot of like, you know, like the, the ring of fire. And then the Night King like walks through the fire, and the other zombies like, rah, rah, can't get through the fire. And the yeah. guy's like, you fucking idiots! Like, do what I'm doing. Just like, throw some snow on it or some shit. Oh, um, well, I took that as like they were immune because they're like they have they're the original creations. They're like the yeah, as opposed to just like people who have been reanimated. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also a little jarring that um, a show which for so long. Uh, Attempted to sort of avoid magic in a lot of ways to only to only use magic uh, in really in really profound ways like the mm -hmm. idea of warging that and you know that there, that there's this like the three eyed raven stuff you know that now there's like uh, like half elves with like rocket rocks yeah like, like explosive explosive grenade. rocks walnuts yeah. yeah also why did that one uh i know that like the that one whatever the the green child uh who sacrifices herself the forest yeah the forest baby who sacrifices herself uh at the end like why didn't she just like throw why does she hold it and like let them like let the zombies eat at her like why didn't she throw it behind her and blow like I don't yeah. understand why she sacrificed herself like that. Well, I guess because she couldn't get away and she thought she'd get more of them that way. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I think a lot of these a lot of the scenes in this episode were just played for the drama versus being played for like James Bond logistical like yeah which, savviness. You know, yeah, you know the whole you know the whole so the whole brand story. I thought this season was pretty unsatisfying mm -hmm. because we don't really see that much. That's a, that's interesting in the past. And Bran is clearly really fed up and impatient and is like, why are you not actually telling me anything? Why are we not going deeper? Like, and everyone else is like, why are we just sitting here eating moss in a cave for, you know, however long, potentially mm -hmm. months, years, yeah. you know, we really don't know how long they're there. Right. I mean, Bran grows from a little kid to a teenager in this time. Can you imagine how boring that is just sitting there for Days upon days, just like sixteen hours a day, while you're watching uh, a brand go all white-eyed, like just like sleeping there, right, right, and it, like it seems incredibly boring, and we don't really get, you know, this guy says, "All right, now it's time for you to become me," and you're not ready, and it's like, what were you getting him ready? You know, <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't seem, you know, compared to like I was thinking about it the other day, and it's like, you know, in a, uh, it kind of evokes the the like a samurai training, you mm -hmm. know, where you go and you, you only cook rice for the first year or you only sweep the floor or whatever it is. But that's not really what this is. That's not really how it's played out. It's not this whole thing of you must become worthy. It's just like, 
not really explained at all. It does. It does seem really, aimless. Yeah, like that, it's it's con- it's convenient that that he that that he's seen important visions of his family, especially his family's past. Because it, you're right. Because it's like you know he when he's at the Tower of Joy and. R- Right as uh, his dad's about to run inside, and he's like, "I want to go in," and then the three-eyed raven's like, "No, we need uh, now's not the time. We need we need to go back," and pulls him back out. It's it doesn't seem like he's like what is what is what is the point of that? Why isn't right. why isn't it time? Right. What is it feels very lost like in that it's this pretty elaborate setup that doesn't seem to actually pay off to anything. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's what I here's where I think this is going. Uh, this might be like, and I've I've, I've seen this somewhere else. I, I, so this isn't really my theory, but I'm seeing it. First of all, what if, what if, what if the three eyed raven is Bran? Uh huh. And Bran's just like, what if Bran is basically the cause of everything? Uh huh. And he has like all of the all of the Starks throughout the ages. The per, the the Stark who built the wall, who I think Brand Brandon the Builder. Uh huh. What if that's Bran? Uh huh. What if he's like warged into his old like? What what if yeah? What if what if it's Bran who built the wall? He's the architect and Winterfell. of everything. Yeah, that would be interesting, but. I hope, but then what's not... the point? Right, right. Well, I think that's what this episode sets up: is that you have this really profound death of Hodor, but then it really does cement the idea of like, okay, yeah. time is fixed. That means prophecy is real. That basically means it implies to me that prophecy is real. Mm-hmm. You know, and we are going to get John or Danny fighting or working together or something in this like sort of final epic battle. Um, and it gives the show, I mean, okay, once you know that, it's predictable. After the show has been totally unpredictable and random to the point of, like, fickleness and, like, not being pleasant to watch in the last couple of years, you mm-hmm. know? So now it seems like it is moving into that direction. And now all of a sudden you have the show go from, like, yeah, a random chance, anyone can die, no one is safe, to heroic predestination and John's been brought back from the dead, so he's probably not going to die again. Right. You know? Yeah. Well then, then, then it leads into the idea that, um, which is kind of isn't that sort of the the most obvious fantasy trope is that there's a prophecy and it just needs to be fulfilled. Yes. And then, and then, and then it. it I mean, that isn't that kind of where this is leading. The whole idea that that he called it the Song of Ice and Fire is because you have you have John, who's the the ice part. Right. And Daenerys, who's the fire part, and right. maybe in the or, end, or the knights, the the you know the White Walkers are the ice part, and the dragons are the yeah. fire part. So yeah, maybe Bran's going to warg into the dragons and defeat the White Walkers. Yeah, I mean Which, that could all happen. But that doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like he needs to because isn't that the point of I'm <laughs> I'm setting up theories I, I'm that just, I'm taking down I'm just, myself. <laughs> I'm just totally dis, I'm just totally disinterested in Bran. It's like they didn't come at they didn't have anything with him for an entire season. They come back to him. We get no real information about what he's doing beyond just like checking out reruns of like, you know, Seven Kingdoms stuff. We don't really get a sense that he's matured or absorbed anything or progressed in any important way. You know, it just I just wanted him to actually go through like some kind of a training montage and emerge as like this more powerful, more compelling figure. And he hasn't. 
<laughs> you know, and maybe so it's just like, what is he supposed to? But if this is what happens, if if this if, if everything gets burned down, if everything's supposed to happen this way, well, you know, because it, it's like, how does this guy who's teaching him all this stuff not foresee everything, not foresee this coming? Right. You know? Yeah. Or he. Yeah. I don't know. Or he does. And he just because like, he's Bran. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that I like this idea that Bran is everybody. Well, what if Bran is everybody? Yeah, what if I, everything I, I is in know. Bran's mind? I think yeah, I mean I think Bran is, you know, Bran is sort of like the least interesting character on the show now because you know, they've put him in this like sort of important position and not actually made him powerful or compelling. You're right. Although I think the internet would disagree with you. I, think, I guess. I think the internet loves Bran uh, so yeah. much. I just, I, I'm just totally bored by it. Because I love Hodor. Well, that's the thing, too. Is, but I love Hodor. Well, yes. Hodor's hard. Hodor is hard not to love because he's he he is. If you don't love Hodor, then you're a terrible human being. Right. Right. And so, you know, but the next episode is just going to be Bran being like, oh, I sent Hodor to his death. Oh, God. Uh. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like. But I think that's kind of like that's almost a trick, and maybe that's like at the heart of why that's that's that whole scene rang so false to me is that. So when do we see Hodor? We see uh, up until the most recent season, we've seen Hodor as the the large, uh, uh, developmentally disabled stable boy, mm-hmm. um, or man, stable human, um, and he. Um, he can only say one thing, and basically his whole job is to lug Bran around on his back and sort of be his like heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this season we get Willis, uh, so we get sort of the beginning, and then we get the end, and it's like I I kind of feel like there's this whole middle part that's missing that makes me want to care about Hodor as a fully developed character. It's hard because. He says one thing, so it's hard to develop him at all past that. Well, that's what's so tragic to me is that he never gets to become this fully developed character because of uh, Bran's shitty time warping. Well, that's why I think that it's like just sort of like the show pissing in our faces because it's just like, oh yeah, this character that you're not supposed to think of as a developed character, we're actually showing you that he's not a developed character. Like he's just a he's just a plot device. But because, but a tragic plot device. I think he's. A, I think he comes across every as real, every plot device on this show is a tragic plot device. Well, that's true. But I think he comes across as a real casualty as opposed to the other deaths we've had this season, which are just like, you know, these shitty old kings getting killed by their sons or brothers or whatever in like sort of aimless power grabs. Right. And I think you see the you see like a, the difference between the the sort of pointlessness of those power grabs. Uh, and the reshuffling that the show keeps doing versus like this larger tapestry of prophecy and and generational whatever and magic that is happening ar- around it, you know, and it sort of puts the show puts everything else that's happening on the show into contrast, which is bad because it makes all that stuff seem less interesting because now you know that there's this greater purpose happening, and uh, you know even though we've also seen the prophets of the Lord of light, like see the wrong visions or apply the prophecy to the wrong person, you know? So things are still up in the air a bit, but I feel like if this time thing, if the Hodor thing, you know, if that's the way it is, 
then time is fixed and we're, we are going to move to some kind of inevitable conclusion. And being a fantasy story, like they have to move to some kind of inevitable conclusion. Otherwise, why did we watch, you know, seven seasons of fantasy reshuffling of Kings, you know? Yeah. I mean, I see, I see what you're saying. I guess it's kind of, I don't know. It's starting to feel a little pointless. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's not I, affecting me in the same way. It maybe pointless. it's just because it, it, I was it, just watching it before, looking for that shock, that surprise uh-huh. that the show sort of gives you regularly, and it's just not. And maybe the show is kind of like okay, you know, we sh- we sort of like we're like we really like we really were getting gross and and shitty last season so this season it's like we gotta we gotta show you that we aren't like discussing animals who are making this show right well it's like an inverse it's like last season was pointless because of chaos uh this season feels pointless because it's becoming predictable yeah so it's like sort of two different ways of not liking the show uh but I really did not like last season, and I really loved this season because I'm appreciating the. Because you're a big softy, Dave. I guess so. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I I am concerned about the sort of predictability uh, and the potential of the show to become uh, lost, like, and get stuck in the weeds uh, <laughs> of its own of its own plot Walt, heaviness. Walt! Yeah, what if Brand? Like, what the fuck is up if, with Walt? What if Brand gets Walted, man? That's a real possibility here. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. That's how. What I, how easy would it be for Bran and Arya to get Walted and to just like not be actually important to the show? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Arya's Arya's arc. Like, where is she in the season now? Basically, she just discovered that the Faceless Men are a bunch of like uh, they're they're just like paid vigilantes, right? Right. Know? Well, I thought you know, yeah, her season has been really, or her plot has been really dumb to me as well, uh, because I didn't understand what her motivation would be to be like, no, really, I'm gonna submerge myself in the faceless men and really stick it out with these guys instead of like go back on my quest to kill everyone. And uh, couldn't really tell like how. Okay, you really do seem deep into this now. I'm not really sure why you would be. Um, so I was relieved that she goes and sees that play and gets to see all of the you know, the story of her family sort of played out in this like hysterical comedic body way. Uh, and she's like watching it with her face. just like, Oh God. You know, what's so uh, weird. I, and, and not like, this is just being picky, but if, yeah. if we're supposed to sort of take this, this play within a play as um, the sort of common person's view of the events as they've transpired. Yeah. Well, where where does this whole idea come that Ned Stark is this fucking buffoon? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, that must be... I thought that was really interesting because that that's like, okay, this is like history is written by the victors, mm-hmm. right? Like, here's this, oh, Ned Stark was trying to become king or he was trying to gain power or something uh, when it was not the case, but this is what's put out by the crown, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so this is what gets disseminated. So I thought that was interesting. And just seeing Arya having to, like, be reminded... Uh, and thinking about the honor of her family and all that kind of shit, um, it gets her stirred up again as opposed to the last few episodes of her just being this sort of like, no, I must serve the faceless men and submerge my true feelings. And, you know, that was not really feeling purposeful to me. Yeah, yeah. So now she has to make a decision again. <sighs> and then what's going on with the sand snakes? You know, so one thing, this this is 
appropriate of nothing. But yeah. one thing I've noticed is that uh, there is a uh, common motif this season of people getting stabbed in the back of the head. Ooh. Or the neck. Uh-huh. Like, do you, do you know what I'm... I mean, yeah, it's gross. The wildling who gets killed by um, creepy guy. Creepy guy. Um, the gross guy who kills everybody. Oh, uh... Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. Ramsey. Yeah. Well, so uh there's the the sand snakes kill the prince by st- yep. Remember like that 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 was the only that, that I think was like the most surprising scene in the whole season yeah. is when he gets just like lanced in the back of the head. Yeah, that was wild. Uh and then uh I don't remember who does this but at the Tower of Joy in the in the flashback. Oh yeah, the the yep. The, his face the gets, crazy swordsman gets, gets fucking necked. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Surprise! This has been like the season of you got Nick. This has been the season of like surprise murders, like surprise stabbings. <laughs> this is like London has fallen. There's a lot of head stabbings in that movie. Yeah, but it just I guess you know as compared to past seasons, it just feels rote. It's just like well, yeah, they reshuffled, they killed a whole bunch more royal people. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's like I guess it feels realistic to the world of Game of Thrones, but it also is just like a way of prolonging nothing well what i'm starting to wonder is you know i can't tell if it's the show's drop in quality or if it's just me reaching a point where i am just kind of tired of of all this um you know i'm I'm glad that they that they have they have said which i respect the the showrunners for this is that they said next season is the last season period Mm -hmm. we're done and you know hbo uh because I think that the um, I think the the season premiere was like this record breaking amount of viewers, mm-hmm. and it's and it's on a, a premium cable channel. Oh yeah, you know which is crazy. So you know HBO would probably be like, you guys can just make fifteen seasons. Go ahead, yeah, you know, do whatever you want to do. And I so I appreciate that they're like, no, we're gonna um, we're gonna end it, and it's gonna be done, and then you know we're not gonna keep cashing in. Uh, we're not going to do what Pretty Little Liars is doing and just draw it out until yeah, the end of out. fucking time. Yeah, uh, that's the one <laughs> time during this episode we'll mention Pretty Little Liars uh, coming back next month, R- right around the time when your babies do. Yeah. So who knows? Um, we're just playing this playing this uh, this this podcast by ear. Yeah. Well, um, was there anything else about? You know what my favorite scene in this ser- in this whole. Uh, season has been this is like the thing that i wanted for so long which is just Tyrion hanging out with dragons <laughs> and he finally gets to he gets to like go down and like take them out of their chains uh down in the free city of marine and it's played so well and was so satisfying and it's just like that's all i want from this stupid show you know just like weird just like dragons just like silly dragon interactions yeah exactly just, just I like Tyrion that. being great i know i mean it's i really like okay here's another thing that bothers me about this season that i think plays into this idea that i feel like a lot of characters are just kind of like just these sort of they're on they're on autopilot is mm-hmm. even Tyrion, uh, not counting that scene because i thought that was a great scene even Tyrion is like all of his wittiness is like the 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 whole the season basically starts out with Tyrion just sort of like making fun of the fact that Varys doesn't have a dick. Like it's 
It's just he's just like making like dick jokes, and you're like, come on, Tyrion, you're you're like funnier than yeah. than a bunch of how Varys doesn't have dick jokes, like yeah, you know, it's true. It's and true. then and then like it it was about as like it was about as as smart as having um uh Euron Greyjoy make fun of like continuously just like make fun of Theon for not having a dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, I just don't. There's a lot of dick talk in this season. Yeah, and I guess that there's like, I guess the one thing that I almost appreciate in this season more than other seasons is it feels more um, aesthetically uh, resonant, I guess. It feels more like there's a lot of recurring motifs and scenes and ideas. Yeah. You know, the whole idea that like, that Tyrion makes fun of Varys' lack of, I mean, and then and there's the whole scene with the the red priestess in this most recent episode. Yes, the whole like the whole idea that Varys doesn't have a dick, and that's kind of like for a little while, uh, a, it's like a funny thing and something that a friend can can make fun of. But then it's used in the complete opposite way yeah. to sort of just totally emasculate a person, right? In this incredibly traumatic way. Yeah, and so I like these ideas that like the storytelling has become a lot more succinct. Where there's a lot of these recurring ideas, that's that to me that's like that's good that's good storytelling. But I feel like, um, I don't know. It's just not. Maybe I just liked messier storytelling before. Maybe yeah. I like this idea that anything could happen at any time, right? You know, and now it's just kind of like, Can okay, really? what's gonna yeah. happen next? Like, like literally, what's gonna happen next episode? Um, I don't know. Uh, well, John. Here's what I think is going to happen. So John, Sansa, and they're they're and uh, did Davos? Davos went with them. Yeah, yeah. They're going to head south. Chances are they're going to run into fucking Ramsay Bolton. Right. You know, and it's like they. And so who knows? Like they might get captured, or they're going to go try and save Rickard. Yeah. Or Rickon. Rickon. Yeah. Rickon. Yeah. I mean, it is sort of like. I don't know. I would prefer the setup towards something that feels relatively important happening versus just like the arbitrariness of just like Danny trying to figure out how to run a city for umpteen episodes and just being like, wow, being a queen is hard, you know, (laughs) which is like worthwhile. Is it worthwhile for like seven episodes in a row? I mean, not really, (laughs) you know, it just becomes sort of boring politics uh-huh. and then you get us then you get you know and you think she's trying to figure you think she's making good decisions uh and then of course there's like a rebellion against her yeah. and so there's like a direct parallel and this this i think is good writing there's the direct parallel with her and john where they're learning how to become leaders right and they're doing what they think seems best and then they get like screwed anyway right and I, that's and you're right like there is that parallel and it's becoming you know more and more obvious which isn't necessarily a bad thing like i do think that like as much as i kind of don't care about Arya's storyline i like the idea that she spends so long for so much of the series just trying to find ways to get revenge on the people who have wronged her Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where that's her only focus and now she's finally learned how to do that and she's realizing that that's not what she really wants to do right you know so that she's like she can become uh a murderer but you know, at the same time, she's realizing that how empty that is. Right. Right. You know, that she, that she doesn't want to, that, you know, that she doesn't want to just like kill people. 
Yeah. She she wants to kill people for a reason. Right, right, exactly. Doesn't want to just become a heartless <laughs> a heartless bringer of death. Um that probably gets us to the end of this lengthy podcast as usual. Uh what are we drinking tonight, Tom? Oh, yeah, it's time for fake sponsors. Phil, I think you you are you watching right now? Yeah, you are. Hey Phil. Uh, yeah, you you owe us a jingle for this. Um tonight we drank uh the Farm Out Saison from Worthy Brewing out of Bend, Oregon. Um, what did you think of this beer, Dave? I thought it was really nice. It was a Belgian-style ale. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. You know, usually, like, uh, I think it's probably the Saison part that I like. Uh, usually, Belgian-style can sometimes uh, be a little too a little too weedy. Um, but uh, I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, it had that, like, nice Belgian spiciness that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, saisons I think are hit and miss and I go for the more hardcore sours usually. Um, and this one wasn't really super sour, uh, but it was very Belgian, which I appreciated and yeah, recommended. So worthy brewing out of Bend, Oregon. If you, uh, would like to not be a fake sponsor and be a real sponsor, you can find us on the internet. Uh, we're on Twitter at PLGM podcast. Uh, we are, also on Gmail, I think. Yeah. Every, Pretty every, little grown men at gmail.com. That's it? That's, that's it. Oh, nice. That's it. Okay. Nailed it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think, um, who knows? We're just kind of, we're as we've said before, we're kind of playing this by ear. Um, we should definitely, are you going to go see X-Men Apocalypse? Uh, yeah. Does that come out? It comes out like right now. Oh. I'm going to probably go see it next week. Okay, I'll Michael, probably just wait Michael to see, see it, it with you. Probably go see it with Ethan next week. Okay, yeah, I'll pro- uh, maybe I'll go with you guys then. That could be a good one. Um, yeah, that's it's gotten some not very good reviews. Yeah, it got a one star <laughs> review on RogerEbert.com. <laughs> and you know, I thought the last X Men movie was pretty damn amazing, and Apocalypse is like one of my favorites. So I'm like really, really anxious to go see this movie now because everyone says it's really bad, but everyone says that about most superhero movies. So don't I don't know. Don't everyone, know what to believe. Everyone, everyone pretty much really liked Captain America Civil War. That's true. That's true. Um, now that he's a member of Hydra. Uh, let's not even go there. <laughs> so bad. Don't read comics. Don't read comics anymore. <laughs> They're terrible. Uh, thank you for being with us. If you want to drop some stars on us on iTunes, we always appreciate that. Uh, and I guess until next Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, Bef- yeah. yeah. Before you say that, um, I want to go on my stump again, uh, especially now if people who are viewing on Facebook, um, <laughs> all one viewer who's still around. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you enjoy us talking or even if you semi-enjoy us talking, um, go on, into iTunes, which is the, pr- the prominent place to find our podcast and, uh, give us five stars and also give here. Oh, I got a great idea. I just had this idea. Okay. I've heard this in other podcasts. Oh. I don't know if this will really work because we don't exactly have like the, the listenership that a lot of other podcasts have. Uh, we, I have a giveaway, a legitimate giveaway. Um, I'll give out. Uh, I just got a copy, a Blu-ray copy of Gods of Egypt in the mail, which we which we may be watching soon. Um, I will send it to you if you leave us a review. Uh, 
a positive review. It doesn't have to be a glowing review. If you leave us a review on iTunes. Ooh, our first giveaway. Yeah, it's a giveaway. We should we should mention this at the top of the episode ne- <laughs> next time so that somebody actually hears you. Um, so but- on the off chance of this. <laughs> uh, oh, it's Greg. 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 Gregory Barris is the only one who stick around on Facebook. Um, but yes, we we of course appreciate the reviews and uh, curious about your thoughts on Game of Thrones. Now that we've done kind of a little half season overview. Uh, did Hodor's death make you cry or feel empty inside? Let us know. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. And until next time, hold the door, bitches. Don't